Chapter 2. If I Changed My Way of Living In volleyball, every match starts with a coin toss. A this or that, an either or, a choice between two potential opportunities is made, even when it doesn't feel much like a choice at all. A few coin tosses happen as Kageyama Tobio is rushed away from Ariake Arena and checked in to the emergency department at St. Luke's International Hospital. Team Japan wins, loses the set to the Netherlands national team, 20-25, taking the final match of the International Qualification Tournament for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games, Pool B, into the fifth set. A group of white-coated medical students sheath, unsheath their tongues like swords behind the back of their professor as they stalk a long, teal-tiled hall, debating whether radiology should start with the MRI or the CT scan. A video of the King's fall and subsequent injury is is not uploaded to the internet and does does not go viral within the hour. A boy somewhere in Miyagi Prefecture is sitting not sitting at his grandfather's kotatsu, struggling to keep his eyes open long enough to eat dinner, and every parent on planet Earth does does not answer their cell phone when called by their oldest daughter three times in a row. Every bird flying above Tokyo does does not land. Kageyama Miwa is is not allowed into the national team's locker room by the athletic trainer to collect her brother's belongings, and does doesn't miss something vital and flat in his top cubby. Kageyama Miwa does does not contact everyone who could possibly cover her for the nylon shoe this week when the doctor warns that concussion patients shouldn't be left alone for the first 48 hours after injury and weighs does not weigh the pros and cons of letting Tobio sit in the hospital for those 48 hours so she can go to work. Kageyama Miwa is, is not, is not, is not turning into her parents by considering this as a near viable option, and does, does not throw her cell phone at the wall when the only notification she gets back from anyone at all is a promotional email from the ramen shop on the corner of her street. A phone then rings, just rings. The device Miwa had nearly let shatter on the floor vibrates in her palm, and her stomach flips sunny side up as she fumbles to check the contact. Maybe it's Elisa, maybe it's her supervisor, maybe it's finally one of her parents. She frowns. It's Tobio, his contact photo a squirmy smile next to Vabo-chan from an Adler's game a few years back. Miwa glances over her shoulder at the pair of double doors on the far wall. She can't see him getting an MRI from this sad excuse of a waiting room, two chairs and a table of magazines three years old, but she'd watched him go inside, pushed in a gurney bed by two medical students, the top of his head visible just past their shoulders. No cellular devices beyond this point, reads the red text posted to the wall. On the fourth ring, Miwa does, does answer. Hello? It's a warm voice, familiar enough, if a bit nervous. Kageyama-san, right? I found Tobio's phone. It's still here in the locker room. Shit, is what she wants to say. Oh no, is what she says instead. Miwa shuts her eyes, squeezes them hard. Thank you for letting me know. If you leave it at the ticket counter, I can probably go back and get it. Ah, uh, that's pretty inconvenient, isn't it? Your hands are probably full there, so I can bring it to you if that's easier. After the coin toss is a choice. In this case, it's between leaving Tobio alone longer than she might really need to, 
and so long that he'd finally hold something against her. Between getting her calls screened and Tobio's calls, maybe, potentially answered. That would be really helpful, Miwa decides, answering before too much time has passed. This is Hinata, right? The CT scanner sounds like a washing machine. Or what sounds like water rushing over his head is really the whir of the machinery that lets the scanner do whatever it does. He's never gotten a CT scan before, never needed to, but he has fished out a number of wet socks that get half stuck in the gasket of his washing machine. To remember that he owns a washing machine and what it sounds like, Tobio thinks, he would have had to have a life to remember before he'd found himself tucked in the white mouth of the CT scanner's gantry. Though that's not right, he decides calmly. He knows for certain he had a life before this, and he doesn't remember socks being all too important. It's just that it's only now that he's alone, facing nothing but a blank slate and his own thoughts. Can he really even begin to put words to the last few minutes, hours, day or so? Words that could turn into a log he might write into his journal, which he thinks he has, documenting where he's been and what he's accomplished, which she's sure he does. For Tobio to be getting a CT scan, now, he had to be set up for one by a grim technician with cats on her scrubs, who'd instructed him to stay very still and pay attention during the examination, as though she'd already had to tell him once. To have gotten to this wing of the hospital, he had to be wheeled through long corridors and down glass elevators underneath what must have been the brightest lights in the world, illuminating the path necessary to get from the side of the building his room was on to the side where he'd go for a... What's he here for again? Tobio had asked the technician as she'd helped him adjust his neck against the stiff pillow in a position comfortable enough to hold for 20 minutes. A CT scan, she'd replied. Kurt, the little orange cat on the shoulder of her shirt, grinning all the same. Kageyama Senshu. Crackling static introduces the radiology technician again, with her disembodied voice over the intercom. Tobio is startled by the sudden company, but he can't seem to find the energy to jolt. I'll ask you again. Breathe in and hold your breath. And so he does, listening to the technician count without enthusiasm as the scarlet laser lights of the scanner pass directly over his eyes. One straight bright line, then two. And he winces in pain, the air forced from his lungs a second too early. Tobio doesn't remember anyone telling him that the scanner would sound like a washing machine, but it does. As he is starting to piece together, this doesn't mean no one told him at all. The scanner seems to move from pre-wash to wash, and Tobio reminds himself to focus. If he's going to build a timeline, he can't dwell on what he doesn't know, not when there must be things he does. Wash, rinse, spin. Before the CT scan and before the kitty cat scrubs, Tobio mostly remembers sitting in a hospital room with a headache. But that's not all of it either, because he still has a headache. He'd woken up earlier with one under those same too much lights, screwing his eyes shut too tight to see stars. Turning out of the way was, and remains, pointless on a few fronts. There's no hiding from the sun without shade, 
and no shade to be sought when still the gentlest of movements and the most muted of glows triggers the sensation of a knife being driven through the crown of his skull. What had saved Tobio in his hospital room that couldn't save him now was the switch of the overhead bulb to turn off and the hand towel that had been draped over his head to create a visor. What had saved Tobio earlier in his room that couldn't save him now inside the CT scanner was Miwa. Miwa must have been at his bedside before he'd woken up. She's probably somewhere around here still, not getting a CT scan, but somewhere. As the piercing pain in Tobio's head had dissipated into a much duller puncture, he'd managed to steady his heavy eyelids long enough under the shade of the towel to watch Miwa move in and out of his limited field of vision. Leaning over the side of his hospital bed and into his line of sight, She'd taken to fussing with his hair, then the towel, then her chair, then the towel again. He'd thought at the time that she'd looked strange. Bob drawn back into a ponytail, pulling a frown he felt used to seeing elsewhere, with Miwa would end him personally if he ever said so aloud, a single distressed line between her eyebrows running deep and furrowed. When she leaned out of his purview, his head and his gaze stayed put for their own safety, and Tobio had been left with just the murky sense that something was wrong with his sister. A view of the opposite wall of his room, beige and sterile, and the corner of a poster taped to that wall that might say something important if Tobio could see any part of it besides the handwashing symbol. She looked, Tobio decided, in what was his first cohesively worded thought after waking up, like their father. The scarlet lights return, along with the demands of the technician. Again, Kageyama Senshu. Deep breath in. One, two. So before the present CT scan, the timeline of important events starts with a headache, then the hand-washing symbol, then his sister frowning like a stranger. Tobio had watched Miwa look at his forehead, but not at him, and his second cohesive thought was that if he wasn't sitting in a hospital with eyelids that weighed less and a head that wasn't ready to split in two, then she'd probably scold him right then. Why do you insist on doing this to me? She'd say about his bangs, which Tobio had trimmed himself recently over the sink in his bathroom. No, why do you insist on doing this to yourself? He'd hoped she'd scold him at least a little, if only for one thing to feel correct and not wrong. But as soon as Tobio had thought so, Miwa had finally settled in her seat, looked him in the eye, and whispered, Your eyes look like they're holding focus much better than they could earlier, so that's good. How are you feeling? Tobio grimaced. Yeah, I can tell, she replied, keeping her voice low. But try again, this time with words. The thing about Miwa that made other people nervous is Tobio's fault, she told him once. She'll wait for other people to say what they mean, exactly how they mean it, perfectly impassive, which could be interpreted as, apparently, critical. She is the way she is, she'd explained, because Kazuyo would get on her when they were younger about filling the conversational pauses that Tobio spent digging for the proper words, how to say them and what order they went in like she was the expert translator in a dialect that she and only she would ever know. 
He'd answered that he didn't know how that made anything his fault, but maybe being made to wait for Tobio to find his words could make anyone ready to wait for the wind to be trapped by a net, as it goes. And with a headache, it had been hard to know how long he'd kept her waiting in the hospital room before he'd tried again, honest and graded with as many words as he could string together. Like shit. Nice, Tobio. Tobio took another pause to locate another tepid phrase. Did I die? No, you just took a nap. Oh. But he's never felt like that, this waking up from a nap before. Foggy, mute, limp. You were pretty exhausted, and they couldn't get you back into radiology any sooner, so we had some time to kill. Miwa explained as she leaned an elbow on the bed's guardrail, the bottom of her chin only held up by her palm. The nurses were very impressed that you managed to fall asleep during your MRI. So he had gotten an MRI at some point. Tobio still doesn't know enough about MRIs to know exactly what they're for, just that they're sometimes used to diagnose serious injuries that he's never had, at least not up until now. His gaze flicked away, ow, from his sister to look towards his body for more clues, but everything below the middle of his chest was lain covered by blankets that still left him cold somehow. One thin and white, one blue and knit, stretching all the way down past the edge of the bed where, Tobio noticed, for what might or might not have been the first time, his left knee was elevated on some sort of cushion hidden under the sheets. Huh. The thing that makes Tobio nervous about Miwa is that she really does know what he's trying to say before he says it. Does anything hurt? She prompts with a yawn. Everything, everything hurts, is what he was thinking. But then, also accounting for his left knee and his feet and his shoulders, that's not really true. My head hurts the worst, the worst, the worst. But the rest of me is like... It had felt like Tobio had to check in and ask each of his limbs and organs individually if they were all right. Foo. The line between Miwa's brows didn't quite loosen up, but it had looked a little like she might laugh at him. That's probably the fentanyl working. Tobio blinked. Fentanyl. Drugs. For the pain, amongst other things amongst other things. Like what? Like how panicked you are right now that you've just woken up in a hospital bed? What? I'm not panicked. Ah. He had thought that to himself at the time in the hospital room with Miwa, and also now in the washing machine of the CT scanner about halfway through. Foggy. Mute. Limp. Ah. No, no, you're not panicking at all. You're doing great, Miwa continued, just before she'd gone and done something truly odd. She'd taken one of Tobio's hands and both of hers, dwarfed in comparison, like only a stranger who was definitely not his sister might. Sort of gentle, kind of soft, but wrong. Do you remember anything from today? Er, she stopped to squint at the wall to Tobio's left, concealed because of the towel. Maybe at a clock. Yesterday? 
A beat or two passed in dull silence. Tobio searching, Miwa waiting. Tobio deciding that something had to be wrong because Miwa really looked different and was also holding his hand, but that didn't answer Miwa's question, which he'd already forgotten. Anything at all, she'd pressed again. Do you know where you are? What time it is? Anything about the match? Ah, the match. See, before this, the CT scan, the hospital room, everything. Tobio had been something else. One hint turned out to be all he needed to remember that the smell of the hospital was different than that of a bustling gymnasium, that the lights overhead didn't hit him the same way, and his sister was not the only middle blocker he'd ever tossed to. The floodgates opened, and it didn't matter so much if the water moved slow like honey. There'd been a whole life before Tobio wound up here, and that's who he was, and he'd played volleyball. Today. Or yesterday. Whichever. Say it, Miwa reminded him, pulling his attention back to her with a snap. With words. Instead of relaying all he remembered of pulling on his socks and tying his shoes and seeing every seat in the stadium filled and standing, center court, in his red and white uniform, did we win? was the first thing Tobio asked. Whatever strange net that had held his sister's brows up with that deep, pained line had just then dropped, expression melting into something that looked a little less wrong, a little less like their father, a little more like Miwa. Yeah, 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 she'd huffed through a small smile. You guys won. So we qualified? Yes, you qualified for the Paris games. Good. Chest constricting good. Fist pump good. Tobio wanted to write this down in his journal to make it tangible. The satisfied satiation of a win. One that qualified him and the rest of the Japanese men's volleyball team for the 2024 Olympics. No less. Except... His memory was still spotty and moving sluggish. He's standing next to the net, in red and white, waiting for the shrill shriek of the referee's whistle. And then... And then... What? Tobio remembered his grid, the one he sees when he's really focused and in the zone and playing at his best. He remembers trying to conjure it inside the CT scanner, wash to rinse, and how he'd watched it snap and disappear. Miwa squeezed his hand again then, and Tobio had still felt too weak to draw away at the most, to tell her she was being weird at the least. It's okay if you're missing parts. Just walk through the beginning, she'd coaxed, almost too grim before she'd added with a smirk. You didn't forget what position you play, right? Tobio hadn't even had the time to be insulted when he'd spat, setter. Okay, fine. That one was too easy. Got it. Just keep going. Tell me more. The match in question had been the final match of the Olympic qualification tournament for Pool B, held on home turf in Tokyo. Team Japan had won in an upset game against the United States on Saturday in a cutthroat, tooth and nail, dragged out final fifth set, 34-32. The air coming into Ariake on Sunday, with heads held high, spirits higher, sparked palpably, all excitement and electricity just at the tips of Tobio's fingers. That said, 
the Netherlands national team wasn't going to be a walk in the park, no matter how good he or anyone else had felt. Their setter had an erratic edge to his sets that kept Tobiel's blockers on their toes for sure. For every dig met with ease by Komori or Yaku, they had an even meaner spike from their number 15. Every spike from Aran or Hoshiumi could be countered from a dig by their number 7 or their number 16. Atsumu has some of the meanest serves in the world, but so did number 4, and if Hinata could move faster than Tobio could ever quite catch up to, then their number 8 to the unsuspecting eye. You said that already. Miwa had cut him off, abruptly, simply. What? About the Netherlands number 8 and how fast he was? You explained that already, two times in a row. Oh. Tobio didn't, doesn't remember talking about the Netherlands number 8 twice, but then that distressed sort of line had come back, and Miwa looked different again. Sorry, he'd offered. But Miwa just shook her head. In hindsight, the ponytail was probably a red flag, if not the implicated undercurrent that while he'd gotten to crash during his MRI, she had not, remaining very, very awake. Don't apologize, she'd warned like her shoulders hadn't tensed in the same breath. And quit making faces. It's been a busy couple hours, and you did hit your head pretty good after all. It doesn't connect on the first try. It barely grazes him on the second. He'd hit his head? That's definitely true. It felt obvious that he had hit his head. And yet, in the whole timeline he's built so far, cutting his own hair, the Netherlands number eight, fentanyl, a headache, the sun, washing hands, Miwa acting strange, Tobio feeling strange. He didn't quite know where that was supposed to go. I remember playing, Tobio said, suggested, really. Miwa just watched, and he wanted whatever he said next to be right really badly. I remember going up to make a set, and... And? He couldn't retrace his footsteps exactly, but he could and had pulled back from Miwa to sit up a bit against the flimsy pillows and hold out his hands as if he was going to make a set. He goes higher, lifting his arms up in a sense and shape that felt more natural, ready and relaxed, hands separated in a silhouette that could only be described as like onigiri. Miwa's shoulders dropped. Seriously? You're thinking about food at a time like... I make hands like onigiri, Tobio added, not that it was relevant at all, when I said... Maybe it had been too simple an explanation altogether, but had done enough that Miwa had mimicked his motion, holding her small hands out and away from her in the same sort of shape to see for herself. Hands like onigiri. She'd smiled, even smaller, mostly to herself. That's funny. Where'd you come up with that? Tobio thought about it. The memory feels clearer, crisper than most of what he recalled of the match. You told me. Me? Yes. No way. Yes. When? Tobio thought about it a little more, hands falling back into his lap. Practice with the birds? No way, I... <laughs> then Miwa seemed to think a little bit more about it, too, and then she'd laughed one single, breathy, ha. Tobio, that was like, what, 20 years ago? 
Is that really what you still think of when you go to make a set? Tobio had shrugged in response. Sometimes. Your big professional games, Miwa continued, as critical as is assumed of her typically. World-class games. And of all the things to think about, you think about how once I told you, when you were like five years old, to make onigiri with your tiny chubby hands in order to set the ball? Tobio frowned at his hands, not at all tiny or chubby, and even in the clarity of Tuesday night practices at the neighborhood rec center, it's hard to so much as conceive that they once were so. You basically asked that twice, he pointed out. Miwa hummed. When Tobio looked toward her this time, the line was gone again, and a small, smug grin, like she used to get when she'd beaten him racing up hills, was in its place. What? Tobio asked, nostrils curling at the mere notion of losing. I'm just thinking, Miwa started with a shrug, before she'd twisted her mouth into something more devious. About how you seem to remember what I tell you when I talk to you about volleyball. You remember what I tell you when I talk to you about food. But every time I tell you not to cut your own hair, it goes in one ear and out the other. That had felt correct. That had been the most normal thing to happen in the preceding few minutes. Hours. Day or two? Five more minutes, Kageyama Senshu, the technician says, voice crackling over the intercom. The CT scanner picks up, rinse into spin. Earlier in his room, it had taken just a little bit longer than five minutes, a little bit of scolding from Miwa, a drink of water, and the promise of a snack for Tobio to come to enough to string more than six words together at a time. I think I remember the match today, he'd said, washing down some brandless crackers from a vending machine with water from a plastic cup. Yesterday, Miwa corrected. Yesterday, up to the fourth set, Tobio agreed. Out the window, between the glow of the city streets and the freckled sky, is a vast black expansion. The ocean. But I don't remember how I got here. To the hospital? That. But also, why? Simple questions beg simple answers. But there's an extent to which he probably hadn't realized what he'd asked, whether or not he was ready to know, or had already been told and just forgotten. You, uh... Hands wringing sleeves, a sigh. Miwa can usually be relied upon to be franked. Tried to hop the barrier for an emergency set. Your foot got caught, and you fell over it. Landed on your knee, hit your head hard enough to knock yourself out. Everything in Tobio's chest stopped working first. The rest of his body very still, other than the path his eyes had tracked down to the, his leg, to his knee under the blankets. Elevated and bizarre. During the game... Yeah, in front of the crowd, unfortunately. Second, Tobio uses the rest of the air in his lungs to clarify. How long? You are out cold for about 12 seconds. 12 seconds, what is going on? So they, your coaches or trainers, I guess, decided it was best to rush you off to the hospital right away. You got here in an ambulance. I took a taxi once I got your bag out of the locker room. And now we're here. And now we're here, 
for being so simple and so still and so empty. Nothing seems to make sense. To stick like honey, to log like bullet points in his journal. Tobio wasn't sure where his journal was at the time. He didn't remember this happening. He did understand, a feeling more than explanation, that the grid snapped in the air, after the jump, before the fall. Am I okay? Tobio felt himself ask, breathless. Your ACL is torn, and you have a concussion. We're waiting for a CT scan to make sure there's nothing else wrong with in your brain. Tobio cutting his own hair, the Netherlands number eight, falling during the game, tearing his ACL and hitting his head, the ambulance, fentanyl, a headache, the lights like the sun, washing hands, Miwa telling him if he cut his own hair again, she would just buzz it all off next time he asked for her help. The timeline is slippery, sloshing against the walls in Tobio's skull with no traction or comprehension. Tobio still couldn't panic, but he found himself to be more tired than he was when he'd first woken up. Not sleepy. Tired. Oh. It's okay. It's really just a precaution to check for cracks or bleeding. Cracks or bleeding? But you've been coherent so far, so everything's fine. And after that, Hinata will probably be here with the rest of your stuff, and then we can go home. At the mention of Hinata, something deep inside Tobio had immediately short-circuited. Water poured over machinery. What's that for? Miwa deadpanned, squinting at him and whatever wide-eyed, horrified expression he might have worn on his face as he'd begun to, well, panic. You look constipated. What's wrong? Hinata. Yeah, I left your phone in your locker on accident. He found it and called me and offered to bring it to the hospital. No. Yes? Why? So I wouldn't have to go back to the arena and leave you here by yourself? Miwa made it sound like a question. It wasn't a question. It was a blacked out for 12 seconds, an MRI for a torn ACL, a what do you remember, a Hinata intervention justification that not even the fentanyl could temper. I'm sorry, did I get the wrong guy? Hinata's the one you've been friends with since high school, right? Again, his thoughts are much more put together now, with little else to distract him inside the CT scan. But looking back, Tobio's feelings had developed into thoughts less like words, and more like a series of broken alarms, still going off after being smacked with a hammer and left to strangle each other into cacophony. Friends? Friends. Hinata? Maybe. But that's not quite right, either. It's just... There's just... He's just Hinata. Other people have someone like a Hinata, right? Other people have someone like a Hinata, and probably know that means the moment he's allowed to witness Tobio for whatever he looks like right now, he'll either make fun, Kageyama-kun, you look terrible! Or worse, he'll look as wrong as Miwa did, and he'll do it because something about himself that Tobio can't wrap his head around right now really looks feels, is that wrong. Something will be wrong with him, something will be worth panicking over, and everything will make sense. Tobio felt, feels, too washed to deal with either outcome. I'm sorry, I didn't think this would be a big deal. 
I mean, he knows you well enough to call you Tobio. Knows how to unlock your phone, because that's what he called me from, said Miwa, tossing the wrapper from the crackers and the empty plastic cup into a waste bin beside his bed. Most people only do these kinds of things when they've been friends with someone for, I don't know, a decade or so? The most irritating beep noise sounds over and over from a machine in the room next door, filling the lapse in conversation. Or like with people they've gone to visit in foreign countries, going out of their way to play volleyball with for years, you know, like friends. Like you might call to help you with something you can't do yourself without feeling embarrassed about it. The most irritating beeps and scuffs of someone dragging their feet as they walk down the hall all happen in synchronicity, and it sucks. You got anything to say about that? Tobio huffed. That's what I thought, Miwa had replied. Victory secured before the technician and her scrubs greeted them from the doorway and explained that Tobio would have his CT scan now, and if he wanted to leave the towel over his head in there, that would be great. It takes the last of his energy to squeeze his eyes shut and put together the final timeline. During qualification weekend, the lines had disappeared, he'd gotten injured and brought to the hospital, taken a nap during his MRI, woken up to have a full conversation with his sister, and then been brought to the CT scan to check his brain. So now what? He's exhausted, and there's still the looming threat of Hinata, discharging when he's allowed to do so. And then, relief comes in waves. Then Tobio can go home. To his own bed, hopefully. Someplace quiet and dark, at least probably sent with a rehabilitation schedule, detailing all the work it would take to fix his knee up again. Something finally hits him. Clicks. Connects. Delayed and blurry, Tobio opens his eyes again to greet the white tunnel of the CT scan machine and the general recovery timeline to correct a torn ACL. I'm probably not playing for Ali Roma this winter, am I? Tobio asks the red lasers. A voice from the intercom crackles out of nothing. Again, Tobio doesn't even have it in him to jump at the sudden sound. Did you say something, Kageyama Senshu? He swallows. I'm probably not playing for Ali Roma this winter, am I? There's no answer, at least not right away. And there isn't one for almost as long as it would take for Tobio to forget he'd asked anything at all when he hears. The scan is almost done, Kayama Senshu. You're doing great. He could be wrong, but Tobio suspects he is being used. Okay, I'll bite. Is it the dorms? Did you suddenly develop new and unusual allergies? Are you wearing a coat that's warm enough? What is it? Miwa smacks the thermometer, 38 degrees even, against her palm with every question. Tobio also suspects that the thermometer might be a stand-in for his head, and from where Miwa's sitting on the edge of her bed, the one he's been relocated to for the night, the one he needs to lie down in diagonally to fit, she could probably make the reach. Miwa used to play middle blocker, after all. 
You don't make nothing playing pro, right? Surely you can afford to buy a better coat. It's not the coat- Ah! Tobio's protests are gradually cut off by the growing sensation of another sneeze that collects behind his eyes and squeezes his face. Like her middle blocker reach, Miwa's reflexes are still quick, and she gets a Kleenex in his hand before he can finally muster a relieving achu. And it's not like I get sick on purpose, he says before unceremoniously honking into the tissue. That's what you said the last time. Miwa says this, pinching her nose closed, and Tobio realizes if he's not being used, and he's not going to be smacked, then he's certainly being mocked. And the time before that, and the time before that. Again, it's not like Tobio had set out with any intention to spend his first year playing V-League volleyball in Tokyo, constantly sick, lying diagonally in his sister's bed because his legs hang off the side of her small couch. He'd mostly just intended to play volleyball, and he did, and it had been as good as he'd hoped. But the routine he'd thought he'd mastered to keep himself healthy in high school had been tested and replaced by a new cycle in November that had more or less kept until March. Tobio goes to practice, travels to another part of the country, maybe Hyogo, maybe Kyoto, comes back sick, stays in his sister's studio apartment instead of his dorm at the National Training Center for a night or two, gets well, returns to practice, plays another game in another part of the country, probably not Miyagi, comes back sick, stays with Miwa. It shouldn't have ever been this big of a deal, but the sniffles, the chills, a small fever here and there, all add up eventually to something Tobio can't quite keep up with. Now he could, Tobio could, actually, just sleep off the cold in his dorm, only getting up to drag himself to practice and to find something to eat at the cafeteria. But Miwa pointed out that by doing so, he risked getting all of Japan's national teams sick in some inadvertent form of treason. What he should do instead, and what he does with some frequency now, is take advantage of the short train ride to stay over at the apartment she could offer for a night or two, but that she'd also been adamant he not move into. This had been the point Miwa had finally been allowed to make after hanging up on their father twice when he called to explain that Tobio was moving to Tokyo after high school. Miwa was about to move into a new apartment with a roommate in Jimbocho, so Tobio was not allowed to live with her, but he could come over and visit if he wanted. He's plenty independent, Mamoro-san. He can take care of himself. That had been about this time last year, at the end of Tobio's third year of high school. Now, Miwa's still in the same apartment, no roommate unless you count Tobio, who comes to visit even when he's not sick sometimes. And he can take care of himself. I just think this is getting a little ridiculous. Miwa's still talking. Tobio must have zoned out somewhere between the cotton behind his eyes and the cooling pad taped to his forehead. Either you need a much better plan for staying healthy during away games, or someone's thinking about you an awful lot. Tobio's nose curls. What's that supposed to mean? Not so serious, Tobio. It's just a superstition. When she gets nothing back to signal an understanding, Miwa waves her hands vaguely and continues. You know, you get the chills, a sneeze or two when someone's thinking of you. Must be all your friends back home. Then Tobio sneezes. Once, twice. 
His Karasuno volleyball club jacket is on the top hook on the wall by the door. His current concern is that this time next year, with the rate he's growing, it won't fit anymore. Unless you have some real serious enemies, a beat, Tobio doesn't grant that question an answer. I mean, do you? Another beat, another third bigger sneeze gathering behind Tobio's eyes. Enemies, Miwa repeats, playing high school boys volleyball. Seriously? Achoo. Relief comes in the form of a steady intake of air, and Tobio helps himself to another Kleenex. Sometime later, there are a few episodes into some reality television show that Miwa had chosen over V-League reruns when someone's phone vibrates. Tobio fishes through the sheets, checking his pockets before he hears his sister greet someone named Nagomi from her kitchenette which altogether means she's about as far away from the bed as his toes are from the hood of his sweatshirt if Tobio were to lay out on the floor. He finds his own phone shortly thereafter and unlocks it. 0508, the day the Adlers beat out the Black Jackals to win the 2004 V-League Championships. The group chat he shares with everyone he graduated from Kurasuno with sits quiet tonight. I can't come out, nah. A pause, some rustling, as Miwa searches for her electric kettle. I'm taking care of my brother again. Another pause. Tobia realizes he is the brother. The sound of the sink as she starts to fill the kettle with water. Super sick, yeah. Now, this isn't the first time he's heard this before. It's probably not even the second. Tobia's heard this or something similar loads of times when they were kids back in Miyagi and their parents worked long hours. Sorry, I can't come over after club. I have to go home and babysit my brother. Except Miwa never really had to take care of Tobio, as far as he was concerned. That's why they always spent so much time together with Kazuyo in the first place. And why, once she started high school, she was allowed to skip practice with the Kitagawa birds to do homework, or hang out with her friends, or whatever she did when she stopped playing volleyball. The time Tobio has spent sick in his sister's apartment has probably been the most time they've spent together since she dropped out of college in Sendai to go to beauty school in Tokyo, but it's not like Miwa's any different now than she ever was when they'd been smaller. She did cut her hair, though, short and buzzed at the nape of her neck. She just got older, and Tobio did, too. He did. Get older, that is. He moved away from home and everything. So there really is no obligation for Miwa to keep playing babysitter as often as she worries about his coats and his allergies that may or may not exist. Once Miwa said her goodbyes and started the kettle, Tobio prepares his thoughts in the form of an argument. Nesan, he doesn't know if she can hear him over the slowly rising boil. Nesan, you can go out. It's rude to listen in on other people's phone calls, you know. Miwa responds clipped, tapping a few fingers to her chin as she scans the shelves above the sink like her reminder wasn't a hammer to Tobio's sense of propriety. What kind of tea do you want? If you don't have any strong opinions, I'm just making hojicha. Tobio mutters some kind of distracted affirmative before pressing on. You shouldn't have to give up time with your friends if you don't want to just because I'm here, is what I mean. That's sweet of you, Tobio, but I'm just fine at home watching Tara's house, drinking tea. 
There's the rustling of a teaspoon scooping the dry leaves, the clink of tinned porcelain. But it is ridiculous. What is? Tobio gestures just as vaguely towards the cooling pad on his head, the bed he's stolen, the general space he requires in an already small apartment. All of this, you just said so. So if you wanted to go do something else instead, you should. It's not like I need you to take care of me anyway. Wow, okay. Make your own tea next time. The kettle clicks itself off just as Tobio opens his mouth to protest again. Miwa turns away with her back to Tobio when she goes to pour the hot water into two small cups. Listen, if I wanted to go out, I'd go out. Since I don't, I'm not going to. Okay, Tobio sneezes again. But this sucks. Between the two, this is actually much more appealing, Miwa says with a shrug. Tobio looks between his sister and the television screen and can't help whatever face he pulls next. Terrace house is appealing? Rude. I was going to say hanging out with you, but I take it back now. Miwa's face isn't as ticked off as she sounds, taking the necessary six steps between the kitchenette and the bed to sit on the corner and hand Tobio a cup with steam rolling off, followed by the tissue box. And don't make that face. It'll get stuck like that. Tobio thanks his sister for the tea and blows his nose. He thinks to himself, as they each take their own quiet, tentative first sips, that all the people on Terrace House do is talk to each other, and that they should have watched the game show where the contestants try to run the obstacle course with the foam hammers that push them into water and stuff. Only when he's somewhere in the middle of his cup, considering the best way to move across a platform meant to drop out randomly from underneath the runner, does he realize Miwa's still sitting on the corner of the bed. When she finally says something, it's at a whisper. All my friends are still friends with my ex, and they keep trying to invite us both out together like nothing happened. Miwa seems to admit, mostly between herself and to the commercials on the television screen. It's usually a coincidence, but when someone asks me to hang out now, I just say you're having a hard time adjusting to Tokyo. Adjusting. Or that you're homesick. Homesick? Tobio sputters into his tea, if you're not already running a fever or something. Adjusting homesick, adjusting homesick, adjusting homesick. Tobio is somewhere between deeply insulted and deeply embarrassed, a feeling that pouts. But not even that's not as bad as the plain mortification that comes when what Miwa had said before that hit him twice as hard once he'd repeated it over again in his head. That really sucks. Tobio manages to choke. Miwa schools her expression to look impassively into her teacup as Tobio continues to experience a crisis. Yeah, it does, she says, like his forehead isn't running so hot from exertion that his ice pack isn't cold anymore. So between that and working literally all the time, I don't go out much. I know Mamoro-san thinks I do. Sorry. You don't have anything to apologize for. It's fine. No, I... Tobio swallows. A lump in his throat. His pride, maybe? He says what he means. I'm sorry, I forgot you had a boyfriend. 
Something distant crosses over Miwa's face, and Tobio doesn't seem to recognize her. Like she's older than 26 and different. Like he wouldn't know how to pick her out in any of the given flocks of strangers that move in clusters around this giant, confusing city. Tobio hadn't given much thought to the six-odd years on opposite sides of the country, but if the flow of a match can change in the hitch of his breath sometimes, then a few months, a few years, must be able to stretch enough to hold a lifetime sometimes. Maybe he missed something, a few things, something more than a whole boyfriend. There's a burst of laughter, suddenly. Miwa's definitely laughing, laughing at him, hard enough that she has to gingerly set her cup on the ground, still half full, to wipe a stray tear out of the corner of her eye. Tobio, stop thinking so hard, it's okay. Miwa wheezes through the last stretch of laughter before taking a deep breath. You didn't forget, you're fine. Oh, Tobio exhales, a sigh of relief. Yeah, you've already met her. Huh? You've met Kanako, says Miwa, simply. Turns out, Tobio doesn't need to watch the foam obstacle course game show. He can just live it. Who is Kanako? Literally, who the hell is Kanako? He's met a few of Miwa's friends when she brings him places, or when she can make his games in Tokyo, the timed foam hammers. But he has to meet a lot of new people all the time these days, and it's not that he's met so many of Miwa's friends with any regularity that he can match names to whatever physical detail he remembers them by, the rope swinging above a mud pit. One was really tall, but had never even played a sport before. One had a beard that Tobio was jealous of. One had nails that looked fake, but were just really well kept and painted a vibrant blue. The two platforms too far away to jump between without leaping onto the three giant red balls, acting as a bridge, just so. There was the grad student he'd met a few times, maybe, who was very friendly and liked to knit. She'd made the scarf that she'd worn once the weather started to change, had made the one that Miwa liked to wear too, had offered to make one for Tobio once they'd gotten the move squared away. Oh, that was Kanako. Oh, Tobio says, and that's the first thing either of them has said in a while. An undetermined while, because the commercial break is over, and Terrace House is back on, and Miwa's still watching him, and he has no idea what she's thinking, and while he'd already felt a little bad about disrupting her routine and making her sleep on the tiny couch, he'd feel worse about saying the wrong thing. Tobio takes his own deep breath, just as Miwa cuts in swift and quick. You don't have to say anything, she starts. But then Tobio places a hand on his sister's shoulder with a force less appropriate to comfort someone with and more appropriate to spike with. Her loss, he nearly spits. And when he concludes that's all he has to say, clamps his jaw shut with enough force to bite off his tongue. This time, the expression Miwa makes slowly but surely is definitely the one Tobio regers most as his sister. Tobio, that's my shoulder, not a volleyball, she whines, knocking his hand away to cradle the point of impact, playing up the violence she'd endured. And with your gross snot hands, what are you trying to do to me? Get me sick, too? No, he's louder than he'd intended to be. I was trying to be supportive, because you let me stay here all the time. 
Do you always hit people when you're trying to be supportive? Miwa shouts back. Tobio hesitates. Tobio! They eventually change the channel away from Terrace House onto the same violent obstacle course game show, and Tobio agrees to be the excuse Miwa needs to get out of any dissertation defense celebrations Kanako might be having the following weekend. You have one unheard message. Kageyama, it's Hibarira. I wanted to call you before you could call me and exempt you from any additional national team responsibilities for the rest of the week. Don't worry about a thing, press or otherwise. We'll be ready to welcome you back once you're ready, but what's most important for you right now is taking the time to recover and recover well. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything. End of message. Outside of Sendai, there's a little hospital within walking distance of Kitagawa Daichi. If Tobio ran there once club let out, he could clear the mile or so of suburban sidewalks in about eight minutes. There were a lot of outlying factors to consider, however, like whether he'd get held up by the red stop of a crosswalk or the something or something else started and he had to walk the rest of the way. He was a regular as far as regulars go in the inpatient rehabilitation wing, coming often enough that the nurse at the front desk, something son, would sneak Tobio Crackers out of his lunchbox while they waited for the clear to send him up to Kazuyo's room. A growing boy, he'd say with a grin, could always use the snacks after a run like that. He's not sure of what he says or how, but Tobio gets one of the med students to stop pushing the gurney long enough to vomit whatever became of those vending machine crackers into a quickly and deftly positioned wastebasket. Something's worn thin by the time the CT scan is over. The drugs, the first dose of reality that had come with realizing what he'd be doing with his upcoming club season, something else. The what of it all doesn't necessarily matter as much as the what does it mean. But even then, the worst part about being pushed through the tiled halls towards the glass elevators this time is not how he wrinkles under the lights or how he bends near breaking under the weight of every audible sound. The worst part is that even when Tobio is surely too swamped in stimuli to think of much else, he's reminded of how much he hates hospitals, as he wrinkles, and why he hates hospitals, as he bends. It fills him up, where he'd been empty before, the fear of what he doesn't yet know about what's happened, of what he's forgotten, of outcomes and what it all means. The grip he has on the cold metal barrier propped up along the sides of the gurney hurts, and his palm still stings as he takes a tissue from one of the med students to wipe off his mouth. But then the wheels start to turn again. They keep moving. The med students make the turn around a corner, and it's from here, as he's being taken to his room, that Tobio can just about make out Hinata talking to Miwa from all the way down the hall. Ah, uh, Natsu's doing great. She's getting ready to play for her own tournament with the Tokai team next weekend, so she couldn't make it to the qualifiers. Good for her. Tell her I missed her commentary whenever you hear from her next. I'll let her know. She still raves about the straight New York amended last season. The gurney bed comes to roll at a slower pace when accounting for then yet another corner, and everything finally comes to a stop. Like the snooze button on this morning alarm, 
once he's clearly crossed the threshold from hallway to patient room. Someone's holding their breath, and outside of the antiseptic, the room smells like a train station and shampoo. Waiting. Watching. There's talking, but it's whispering, and once he fails to recognize one word, every word after that just gets strung up together to become indecipherable. Someone says he's done well, someone else says he looks like he's in pain, and a towel is placed once more on Tobio's head and adjusted to shade his eyes. The overhead light goes dark. A quick conversation runs too close together for him to really parse apart what was said, and footsteps that start as stomps grow quieter the further out the door they disappear. He'd held his breath almost the whole time, Tobio finds, once the room goes hush. He takes a deep breath in, and then out again, a bit shaky on the exhale. And even though it's not completely silent or perfectly blacked out, things feel safe enough that Tobio slowly opens one eye, then two. At first, he only sees the dim wall with the same maybe-important poster with the same hand-washing symbol under the ring of the towel around his head. Then, without warning, a shock of sunny orange forces itself into Tobio's orbit, or rather, Hinata is leaning over the left side guard on the bed to get a look at Tobio's face under the towel. When their eyes meet, there's a split second where Tobio thinks it's been a long while since they've seen each other, which obviously isn't true. Clearly only long enough for Hinata to end the match against the Netherlands, get a shower and a clean hoodie, maybe a meal, and then end up at Tobio's bedside. They'd played volleyball together all weekend. They've probably seen each other almost every day since the start of the international season, being teammates in the same city, let alone present on the same continent. He even greets Tobio here in the hospital, the same way he's greeted Tobio every day since he got back from another club season in Brazil last April. Kageyama-kun, Hinata says, with a grin that starts trouble. Tobio's eyes snap shut again, and he groans. Shh, just a bit quieter, Hinata-kun, says Miwa. Actually, now that Tobio thinks about it, he could make a run for it if he really tried. I've had to keep whispering. Tobio shifts the weight keeping him on his back, rolling slightly onto his left side, in order to get enough momentum to roll completely up on his right. Sorry, my fault, Hinata replies at a much lower volume than Tobio has known him to be capable of. He's found the strength in himself to get almost half a roll up onto his right arm when he hears, Is he trying to throw himself off the bed? I think he might be embarrassed. Embarrassed but prepared, Tobio bets, once he boosts himself right side up. He could hop on his good foot all the way back to the elevator. Isn't it a little light in the game for him to start experiencing shame? Wait, Tobio's forgetting something. On his next roll-up, he looks around the side of the room, otherwise concealed by the towel when he's laying proper in the bed, faced straight forward. Miwa's nodding in Hinata's general direction from where she's sitting in the chair, underneath which is his gym bag. He'd need it if he didn't want to make his escape without pants, which he did not. That's what I told him earlier. Clearly he listened to me, Miwa says to Hinata, turning to look Tobio dead in the eye. He knows he can't take Miwa on his own, but Hinata's always been a good distraction. That's his whole thing. Tobio plans on being able to at least grab his shoes before he hops down the hall, into the elevator, and out the front door. 
The rest of his evil plot comes to a screeching halt when Tobio first realizes he doesn't know what part of Tokyo that this hospital is in exactly, and second, realizes he's being made fun of. Natsu's the same way, always has to put up a fight instead of admitting they need anything, like they won't always be the spoiled youngest sibling, am not, Tobio interjects, knee-jerked from his fantasy of escape. They'll never appreciate what we went through as the firstborn. Stop. He doesn't really mean it. They're having fun. Of course, they're having way too much fun. Leave it to Hinata to have fun in a hospital. Tobio still doesn't feel anything good, but he admittedly feels a little less bad than he did before he'd puked in the hallway. Miwa and Hinata, separately or together, are at least a step above the swampy sensory overload. But then he feels his mouth wriggle at the corners, just ever so slightly. Unlike the villains in all the movies, who announce their plans just before the climax and their demise, Tobio won't make the mistake of admitting any of this out loud. How much longer until I can get out of here? He asks, squeezing an interruption somewhere between a few more digs he doesn't quite receive. Miwa yawns to his right, and Tobio is struck with the vague knowledge that she probably paced rather than napped while he was out. Well, it's about two in the morning. I'm guessing you don't want to take the nurses up on their offer and stay the night. No, Tobio cuts that off right there. I want to go home. His sister hums while she thinks, not at him and anything he'd said, but across the blue and white blankets to the left side of the bed. Well, Hinata-kun, I guess that just about decides it, right? No worries, he'll be in good hands, Hinata replies, before adding, Don't be mad. Definitely directed square at Tobio. Any of the obvious follow-ups? Mad about what? Never get asked. What comes next is the back and forth of the new plan. Not unlike watching the ball fly between the two sides of the volleyball court as a fan still learning the plays. Tobio does his best to keep up while moving his head as little as possible. I might have roped Tinata into another favor. You don't have to say it like that, Kageyama-san. I offered. I tried, I really tried, but I can't get out of the shoot tomorrow. Today? Today and Tuesday. But you're under strict orders that if you decide to go home, then someone needs to be around to monitor you there instead of here. Said. And I said that I could help by coming to stay with you. Spike. An alarm goes off in a room down the hall, like the five-minute mark after a tap to the snooze button. If Miwa paced, Hinata probably ran laps. Something he remembers. Tobio asked something, son, if he'd ever seen a volleyball game while he'd waited with his crackers one day. Something, son, said he had, but found it difficult to keep up with anything before the ball hit the ground. The irony of this isn't lost on me, Miwa concludes, apologetic and exhausted. Tobio doesn't know what she means by that right away, not when he's still back on the alarm. The strict orders and the coming to stay with you. It almost, he doesn't. It reminds him, the plan makes sense, he supposes. It makes more sense than hopping on one foot solo towards the elevator and hoping for the best, and to have three people in a hospital room and then have all three of those people leave is better. It's just better. But as far as needing someone to stay with him, once they've made a run for it, well, you don't have to look so excited, says Hinata in a deadpan, 
and Tobio absently finds that his mouth is open, prepared to ask all the questions he thinks he has. So if he doesn't want to stay here, which he doesn't, no way, Tobio's option is to go home with someone who can look out for him, in addition to dropping their schedule for the next two days. Miwa has work, which is important to her, and Hinata, apparently, has time. Okay, but it's more than just being sent home with an antibiotic or a reminder to drink more fluids, which is to say, Is it that bad? he asks. Miwa's eyebrows furrow close together. Is what that bad? Before the CT scan on his brain, Miwa said something something about going home once Hinata brought Tobio's phone back from the locker room. He doesn't think, not totally sure either, that she'd mentioned anything about not being left alone after mentioning his torn ACL, which means it's worth asking. Is my brain bleeding? She shakes her head, which thankfully means she'd followed. Oh no, they don't think so, Miwa says, and she means it. It's just a precautionary thing, to make sure someone's around who can help you just in case something does go wrong. Right, better safe than sorry, Hinata chimes in. And even though there was no doubt, Tobio knows he means it, too. Plus, it'll be easier to recover if you don't have to do everything all by yourself. Tobio glances at his bag again, lying still under Miwa's chair to his right, then towards the door, behind Hinata to his left. He hadn't accounted for stopping to tie his shoes during his plan A. He would have gotten caught anyway. Okay, Tobio whispers decisively. Plan B is his out and he wants out of this bed and this room and the lights and the noises. He's overwhelmed. Miwa seems overwhelmed, too, if okay enough with the plan, so it should be fine. And two days with Hinata, who seems overwhelmed, well, they spend a lot of days together anyway. It's just Hinata, after all. I can take Hinata, he thinks. You have to bring your own toothbrush, he goes on to clarify. I don't think I have any spares. Okay, Hinata replies, mischief creeping back into his grin, hair, whole self. Slumber party! Tobio shushes him immediately. You have one unheard message. Kageyama Senshu, it's Uchida, as you know from the JSA. Hibarida-san has let me know you've been exempt from all national team press this week, and your medical team has updated me regarding your status. As your manager, I have elected to field all requests for interviews and comments until you call me back with your interest level. There are many, but you shouldn't take any until you're ready, and so I will not accept any until you tell me over the phone that you are ready. My advice to you while you're recovering this week is to not look at any newspapers or press before calling me first. Please rest easy, and don't forget to call me back. Do not forget Kageyama Senshu. Thank you. End of message. Tobio's apartment isn't big so much as it is spacious. And it's not spacious as much as it is empty. All the jokes that could have possibly been made about his aesthetics, or lack thereof, have already flown over his head at this point. As far as what he needs for the six months of the year that he actually lives in Japan, the apartment functions as it's intended to, and it's a simple setup. He lives in a high-rise with higher ceilings, a full kitchen that he only really started using to its full potential during quarantine, 
and a balcony that faces west, which means for about two hours on clear days like they've had so far this August, the setting sun illuminates almost the whole living room, kitchen, and hall to the bathroom in the warmest, kindest shades of yellow and orange, gold and bronze. The light that bleeds through the glass balcony doors can't quite reach Tobio's bedroom on the far end of the hallway. Past the washer and dryer in the closet and the bathroom opposite that, if Tobio keeps his bedroom door closed, blackout curtains drawn, then no matter how bright it is outside, he can remain in near total darkness, the hustle and bustle of the city street below mostly white noise from this high up. All this to say, Tobio wakes up in darkness on Monday, but instead of his phone's alarm breaching the silence, there is singing. Bad singing. The next thing he notices is that his throat is dry from sleep when he croaks, Nyesan. Tobio knows it's not Miwa, the only other person who has a key to his apartment. Miwa doesn't sing to herself, never, not once. He's not sure how best to describe what her footsteps would sound like, but the purposeful patters that move from what sounds like the kitchen all the way to just behind Tobio's bedroom door with record speed don't seem like. It hits him here that Miwa said that she'd be working today and tomorrow. Hardly a minute awake and the dull nag of the headache is back, either never having left or making its return in time with the slow and gradual opening of Tobio's bedroom door. Tobio keeps his head trained straight ahead, looking up at the ceiling to watch how the light spreads there, poking and prodding until it can brighten his whole room. And in the doorway stands the offense. The shadow outlined on the ceiling doesn't belong to Tobio's sister, not with hair like that, but to one Hinata Shoyo. Nope, just me. One disturbingly chipper Hinata Shoyo, and his same black jackal sweatshirt, and the savory smell of something like lunch. He tosses Tobio an ice pack for his left leg, still elevated, which Tobio catches by the very edge. Welcome back to the land of the living, Kageyama. Welcome back, he says. To the land of the living, he says. Hinata only makes sense from time to time, and Tobio isn't usually taken to the idea of throwing something at his head so suddenly. Granted, nothing about this morning, afternoon, feels normal yet. Why? he asks instead. Why what? Hinata asks at volume. Ow, ow, ow. And apologizes softly when Tobio hisses a hush. Sorry, why what? Why are you here? You know why, Kageyama. You're not supposed to be left alone for the first 48 hours after being released from the hospital, remember? And Miwa-san couldn't get off work, so... Hinata holds his arms out, waving vaguely towards himself like he's the product in an ad. How are you feeling? Tobio pulls his blankets up over his head. Hinata sets off the fire alarm. Tobio can feel the sound behind his forehead like it's a hammer hitting a nail between his eyes, over and over, thump, 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 thump. Between thumps, he's honest. He knows the smoke detector in the kitchen can be a bit touchy. He's set it off a few times himself with nothing but the graze of smoke off frying oil. Moron, is what he says instead. Well, sorry. 
Hinata keeps his pouts at a whisper as he hands Tobio a small bowl of what he was able to salvage of the omurice and plops into the plain wooden chair he'd dragged in from the kitchen. It's not even burnt. I was doing just fine. It's you who needs to replace the battery on that thing. After he takes his prescription and replaces the warm ice pack with a new, colder one, Tobio takes his portion with his thanks. It's good enough that the bowl is empty before long. You seem weird, he says quietly, setting the bowl on his bedside table where there's room between a lamp, turned off, and a half-empty box of tissues. I seem weird? Hinata leans back in the wooden chair, feet up on the corner of Tobio's bed, awfully composed. You seem weird. Okay, not at unfair point, but he has an excuse. Hinata might as well be hiding. From what, though? What about press? Huh? There's always press today, Tobio says, a thick feeling on his tongue as he tries to make his counterpoint. You're skipping. Oh, what, now that we've qualified for the Olympics? See, there's the walk in the park. Hinata makes everything sound so simple. It's fine. We already won. What else is there? It's not like the team needs me to do press, and Hibarida-san gave me the clear to skip until the team visits the local youth league tomorrow night. What goes unsaid is how often Hinata gets ahead of himself, and how that often means he'll get tongue-tied when talking to reporters. It's a little funny, actually. Funny enough that he often gets cast as one of the national team's spokespeople when it comes to interviews and press conferences regardless. Even for tomorrow night. A Hinata who likes kids and attention but also trips over his own feet just about makes up for the unusually high number of national team players who don't like attention and don't know how to talk with anyone younger than 14. It's a love-hate being seen. Coward is what Tobio replies. Shut up! Hinata says this through a mouthful of rice and vegetables before bothering to chew and swallow. Wait, before that, how are you feeling? To be fair, Hinata isn't alone. Tobio's relationship with the press is spotty, too. Probably even more so. Just when he thinks he's used to it, he's reminded of why it makes his spine crawl, and being seated in front of a microphone, expected to answer in whatever given language the question is in, would still feel more comfortable than the numbness of his knee, the ache in his head, and the request to describe what he senses but doesn't understand. Because his Japanese is typical, if not lazy in all the ways a native speaker can afford to be, his English is still so-so. Italian? Barely passable. Portuguese? Once he'd asked Hinata to explain how to ask for the bathroom, Hinata had instead given him the translation to order more beer, and Tobio was none the wiser. But he doesn't hate press because he gets tongue-tied or camera-shy. He hates press because it's what happens after Tobio's already said what he's needed to say on the court. How are you feeling? What's he supposed to do if he can't send a quick to tell someone he believes in them? A synchronized first tempo to call on all of his teammates at once. A setter dump to show off how confident he's feeling. Without his receives to say, it's good to see you, and his serves to say, here's what I've been up to since I saw you last. What's he supposed to do? Kageyama, Hinata repeats, and who can be sure how many times he'd tried. I think, Tobio starts, still thinking of tempos and tosses. I think I'd send a four? Out of ten? No, a four. 
he says again, sinking off into silence. He watches in real time as Hinata's brows unfurl. His eyes light up in understanding. Oh, like tempo, Hinata affirms before stuffing his face again. Still so slow? Tobio thinks for a moment, then nods. In return, Hinata only hums, craning his neck to look into Tobio's empty bowl on the nightstand. Maybe you need seconds? The omurice comes back with a vengeance sometime after his next nap. What had started as a harsh but dull sort of throbbing had progressed into migraines so profoundly painful that it leaks through the numbness the medication is supposed to provide to pool in his stomach and make him feel ill when he stands up for too long. He finds this out after he goes to the bathroom, tries to take a piss on one leg and a crutch, but then ends up also vomiting. Hinata tries to enter, lights off, while Tobio is bent over the bowl and exits once Tobio points a finger back out the door. When he finally emerges, a film of sweat across his neck and back adding to his overall feeling of grossness, Hinata hands him his second crutch, gives the bathroom a once-over, and says, Good aim, Kageyama. Unfortunately, he doesn't stop there. You know, I've realized who you look like, Hinata says, once they've made it back in one piece to the bedroom, crutches discarded beside the nightstand, and Tobio's successfully switched into a clean, dry shirt. He feels his eyes narrow before he really wraps his head around what Hinata could mean. Hinata remains unperturbed. I've been wondering, because you've obviously been a bit out of it since yesterday, but I feel better now that I can put a name to a face, you know? I look like myself, Tobio says, brackish. Well, sure, you look like yourself, but less like you usually do nowadays, and more like you did when we were first years in high school. Tobio is so confused, it's about all he can muster just to glare. See, just like that. Same pout and everything. Do you need to go back to the bathroom and check the mirror? Tobio hadn't bothered to look in the mirror when he'd been in the bathroom, had ignored the light switch as well. That still means I look like me. Yeah, but you got much more tolerable with age. You usually don't look so... Hinata steps back and smooths down his hair close to his forehead. Dumbass Hinata, I want to do everything myself. I never suck, so obviously the world must bend to my every wish and will. Hey! He's only stopped when Tobio aims and launches a pillow for Hinata's head. It goes a bit wide, but still manages to smack him on the nose. Room for improvement. Hinata is sputtering on a single down feather that ended up in his mouth when Tobio asks again. Why are you here? Tobio demands. Because... Your sister... I know. But you didn't have to do this. You could have gone out and celebrated with the rest of the team yesterday. Could have gone to press. Could have been anywhere else besides here with the ice packs and whispering and the smoke alarm, but... But why? Its unstoppable force meets immovable object. Sword and shield between the two of them. But what else is new? I don't understand why you keep asking. It's not like I need a big reason. Hinata gingerly wipes his slobber, and thus the feather, off his mouth before tossing the tissue in the nearest waste bin. Two points. I know you've spent your career in perfect condition all the time, King Kageyama, but sometimes when regular people need help, they ask for it, and when someone is nice enough to offer it, they say thank you. Oh. 
Tobios learned this before, actually. Should have known that he'd learned this lesson before. So, Hinata folds his arms over the angry jackal logo printed on his chest, the one he looks suspiciously similar to at the present moment. Stupid, stubborn, objectively correct. Unless you really want to do this all yourself. Tobio answers fast. No. Good, glad we're in agreement, because I'm not going anywhere. A rumble and a groan sound loud from Hinata's gut. Except the kitchen, maybe. And then back here? Tobio asks. Really asks, actually, just as Hinata turns on his heel. Sure, I can pull up a chair again if you want me to. Hinata turns around just enough to watch Tobio carefully over his shoulder. Am I going to bother you? Tobio considers this. Are you going to set off the fire alarm again? No. A pause. I'm just catching up on One Punch Man. I can wear headphones, though. Okay. Okay, then. Hinata nods and grins small. Be right back. You have one unheard message. Kageyama Tobio! Tobio-kun, what the hell happened to you? Atsumu, this was supposed to be nice. Kageyama, it's Aran and Hoshiyomi and unfortunately Atsumu. We all just wanted to check in with you. Tobio-kun isn't some Wilton flower. He knows we're calling because we care. And because we know, without a doubt, that he will recover soon and prove the press wrong. Guys, we said we weren't going to bring up the press. It hasn't even been two days, and they're already calling this the beginning of the end of the monster generation, Kageyama-kun. Which is bullshit, them all assuming, like we're being taken down with ya? Unless there's a curse of some kind. Wait, what if we're cursed, and we get taken down one by one? Just like the ring! Kageyama, Aran again. I should mention Sakusa is here to wish you well, too. He's just been smart enough to keep his mouth shut so far. It's their mistake to underestimate you. Yeah, like we're clearly not even talking about the same Tobio-kun. And it will just make your return to sport all the better when you can crush their expectations with your newfound strength and renewed surgical setting ability. Anyhow, Iwaizumi-san's bringing some goodies from us over to you at some point. So stay where you are. Atsumu, he can't move. Keep building up your strength, Kageyama-kun, but not too fast. More haste, less speed. Take care of yourself, Tobio-kun, and you'll be back to normal in no time. We'll just carry the national team on our backs for all the pressers and media days this week. Atsumu. Although, press might be easier if Hinata Shoyo was here as well. Yeah, please send back Shoyo-kun when you get the chance. Thanks a ton, Tobio-kun. End of message. He must have fallen asleep again, somewhere between the snorts Hinata directs at his iPad screen and the low rumble of his air conditioner, because Tobio is reluctantly blinking back to consciousness at the sound of his name, fuzzy and far away from the comfort of his bed. Kageyama. Now there's no doubt that Tobio heard his own name. He's awake enough to recognize that he's been called to. Called to by Hinata, about from the doorframe, just like this morning. Yesterday morning? This time, he ignores it. Kageyama, come on. Hinata's gotten closer now. Tobio continues to pretend that he's not there at all. He wants to go back to sleep. He's that tired. 
Wake up, Hinata demands. No way. Tobio leaves his face under his blankets and makes not a single effort to show that he's awake, because there's no reason for him to wake up. Because it's out of practice to wake up concussion patients every four hours to make sure their brain damage didn't strangle them in their sleep. Tobio was not strangled in his sleep, which is all the more reason to return to. Hinata continues at the head of his bed, setting a series of items down on his bedside table. Steady does it. Something that sounds on the wood like skin on an apple. One of his glass tumblers, likely filled with water. The jingle of a prescription bottle. After that, a beat of nothing but the blow of his air conditioning unit, until Hinata calls his name one more time. Another beat, and Tobio thinks he's warded Hinata off until a finger reaches out to poke him in the face. Come on, if you don't take these now, you're gonna wake up in pain tomorrow. How aggressive can a whisper really sound? Very aggressive, turns out. And the direction said you're supposed to eat with the medication. I promised your sister, and I don't want to get on her bed. Tobio snatches the loosest pillow from the stack under his head and whips it in Hinata's direction. It makes contact. Not bad, since Tobio's eyes are closed. Seriously? Hinata complains, tossing the pillow back to land next to Tobio's head. A threat. Just say you're awake! Tobio says nothing of the sort. What he means, even as he's absolutely alert, is let him sleep. There's more movement in the darkness, steps taken to the foot of the bed this time. Kageyama, I'm not doing this for me. Hinata gathers up the corner of Tobio's blankets, kinder and thicker than those at the hospital, and gives them a test tug. Cool air seeps into the carefully curated warmth he'd created for himself, and Tobio decides he will kill Hinata. I'm doing this for you. When Hinata gives a sharp pull on the blanket, exposing Tobio to the cold night air, Tobio takes his good leg and all the power he can muster, and uses them both to kick down in revenge, straight into Hinata's. <gasps> Tobio's eyes fly open at the wheeze Hinata makes as he sinks to the floor, hands between his legs, a white flag of utter defeat. Clearly, his aim had struck somewhere he hadn't intended to strike, and yet, bullseyed. Oh no, he says. Oh no! Hinata sounds hoarse. That's all you have to say for yourself. After everything we've been through, Kageyama, you sick and twisted. Tobio sits up now. I take it back. You can't take it back. Past his exposed feet and the edge of his bed is no sign of Hinata, other than the smallest patch of red hair laying vibrant against his plain blue carpet. All you had to do was say you were awake. I'm awake. Not now. Hinata stays on the floor while Tobio eats his apple and takes his meds. Hinata stays on the floor until his breathing slows down, and then slows down some more. Tobio doesn't always know what he doesn't remember, especially today, but he does recall one thing. Hinata snores. Don't fall asleep on my floor, Tobio says to the foot of his bed. You don't get to tell me what to do. The foot of his bed bites back before he yawns. <sighs> don't sleep on the floor, dumbass, if you don't want those youth league kids to wipe the floor with you tomorrow. Hinata sounds like he's stretching. 
Sleeping on the floor is good for your back, he says, just as a joint, maybe his back, cracks. Tobio makes another pillow sail through the air and crash into something fleshy. Ow! Hinata yelps. Fine, fine, fine. One hand to grasp for purchase in Tobio's blankets, then two to pull himself up to his feet. Hinata looks as though he's seen things. Do you at least have a futon? Tobio thinks for a moment about the contents of his closets, his storage unit in the basement. No. Boo. I have a couch, Tobio offers. Have you ever sat on your own couch, Kageyama? Hinata asks, and Tobio scowls before he can so much as point out. I'm better off on the floor. Then you take the bed and I'll take the couch. Hinata recoils, shakes his head with fervency. No way. Bad idea. I'm not telling your sister I took your bed and made you sleep on stone. As if you could make me, Tobio replies, dragging his legs along with the inch of his upper body as he makes his way towards the edge of the mattress. Please don't walk without crutches, Hinata reminds him, moving towards the wall they'd been leaned up against on the other side of his nightstand. Maybe out of Tobio's reach? Maybe not. Tobio wasn't sure, but he'd already been provoked, so he's determined to find out. I'll get them myself, he says, swinging his feet around until they're parallel to the floor, and then Tobio swallows. He feels stupid. Stupid because when his feet hang over the edge of his bed, it's like he doesn't know where they are. Are they parallel to the floor? Are they connected to his body at all? He has to check. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He knows he has a knee injury, but he forgot he had a knee. Tobio goes cold from wherever the soles of his feet connect to the crown in his spinning head, that rhythmic throb pounding in his skull. His own pulse, he realizes. When he goes to put his weight to the floor, just to see if he can, his left knee goes loose and then shouts. Stop it! Stop it! Kinata's voice attempts to be baleful, but there's a please in there somewhere. So Tobio sits back goes to swing his legs back up over the side of the mattress, off-center, askew. This is an awful lot of movement for someone who's supposed to be on bed rest. Tobio makes no effort to recenter himself to the middle of the bed, and won't any time soon, not as Hinata goes to elevate his knee where it lies. The vast dark expansion between himself on the left side of the bed and the right side of the bed could be measured, but for all he's sure of, it's just present. What if we don't even say it? Remember Brazil? Hinata retorts, but his voice is grinning. You wanted to kill me in Brazil, and then I tried sharing a bed with Tsukishima, and then he wanted to kill me too. What if I kick your knee out in your sleep, and then the doctor needs to, he yawns again, reattach it or whatever. That's not how it works. Tobio pauses then. I don't think that's how it works. Me neither, but one thing is for sure. Hinata flashes that brilliant, threatening expression again, this time tossing the pillows up on the floor to land neatly, gently against the headboard. I am a danger, Kageyama. Tobio scoffs. Yeah, a danger who has national team duties tomorrow. Get in the bed. Before he lets that sound weirder than it needs to, Tobio then softens up. Just take the right side so you'd kick my right leg instead of my left one. Hinata shrugs, nearly conceding, as he makes moves to slide and settle under the cover. 
at least until he so much as touches a foot to the sheets and retracts, nose curling. Ew, it's already warm under there. I've only been here all day, dumbass. I'm sleeping on top of the covers, Hinata decides, claiming a pillow for himself, checking for a cold side and falling, starfish, onto the right side of the bed. You're going to be cold, Tobio mutters. I wouldn't get cold if you were a normal person and let some fresh air into this. Another yawn. <sighs> Cave you call a bedroom. The night is probably perfectly cool. It was really nice outside today. A pause. Was it? Yeah, picture perfect. T-shirt weather, a few clouds in the sky, but no wind. When you crashed for the bajillionth time, I hung out on the balcony for a little bit. Ugh, all day, really. Do you use the balcony often? It makes the clouds feel so close. It's enough to make anyone doze off. Paintings of the birds in a cerulean sky. The taste of the summer air. Fresh, even in the city. The sparkling view of Tokyo Bay, caught between the slivers that separate skyscrapers. Almost enough, anyway. Kageyama? Hinata calls again, a little louder above his newly acquired whisper. Close to Kip, Tobio's eyes open against his better judgment. Stop. I can't sleep now. Try. Hinata exhales straight into the pillow, pulling the hood of his sweatshirt over his head. Tobio keeps his gaze straight ahead on the white swirls painted on the ceiling. Willing his eyes to close again. Come on, just one more time. Damn it. I can't sleep either. He settles for a scowl. Oh, good. Brimming with relief, Hinata flips himself onto his back, fidgety to share the energy they probably wouldn't have right now if he'd just listened to Tobio. Are you still feeling okay? Still at a four? Tobio thinks about it. Really thinks about it would rather sleep on it, and Hinata taps his fingers against his stomach while he waits. I would say a three, he eventually decides. Okay, that's an improvement then, Hinata replies, almost surprised. Tobio doesn't make any moves to turn his head, but can catch out of the corner of his eye how Hinata's tan fingers splay and dance of their own accord against the black fabric of his hoodie. I couldn't tell... You made a weird face when you tried to stand up, so... He's somehow always making a face, isn't he? When I tried to stand up? Just a little bit ago, when you were moving for your crutches, Hinata goes to clarify. Oh, right, Tobio replies, and all the thinking he'd just done about how he currently feels gives way to dread, the thump of his heartbeat and nothing else. He's back on his words stuck on the specifics of communicating what exactly sits sticky and swampy in his throat, in his gut. The grid snapped when I went up to make that play. He tries to start. Too far back, maybe. Too vague. What grid? Hinata asks. The grid I see when I play. The lines I, uh align my tosses against, or that tell me where to stand, sort of. 
where to jump, where to land, how high, how low, his general sense of balance and movement, all of it wrapped up in a perfectly acutely measured matrix. This is what Tobio tries to say. Do you do that too? Is what he poses instead, only to wade off into another deep, sunken sort of quiet. Hinata snaps his fingers. Not exactly, but I think I do something kind of similar, he says. So when you play, you visualize a grid, and that helps you perform at your best, right? When I play, and I'm like really in the zone, Tobio nods, urging him on. He's close. Yeah? I think of the beaches in Rio I played on way back when. Oh. Tobio knew this, actually. He's definitely mentioned it in some faraway memory Tobio doesn't have the energy to dig up, but Hinata's definitely made jokes about it before. Offhand comments about how the wind is carrying his passes today when there's no draft in the gym. Something about salt in his eyes where Tobio had presumed he'd meant sweat. Tobio usually lets it go, chalked it up to another metaphor that didn't hit because Hinata altogether can get his point across even when he doesn't make any sense at all. So what does a joke about the ball cap he's clearly not wearing matter? And yet, here they are, trying to make reason of Tobio's personal beach, which isn't even a beach. You're saying you usually see a grid, and when you, a barely perceivable pause, wiped out on Sunday, it wasn't there? Yes, Tobio affirms, eased like he's one load lighter. It's never just gone away like that. I know I wouldn't have fallen so bad if it had been there, and I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get it back once I can play again. Hinata gives a nod. They're not looking at each other, but Tobio feels seen anyway. Are you a three because of your head or your knee or because of the grid? The grid can be fixed with a visit to the hospital, seen in an MRI, soothed with an ice pack, makes the rest of it worse. And because he gets it, Hinata hums low in his throat. That'd freak me out too, he admits. But it's not like you're playing volleyball tomorrow. Tobio frowns at first, before he really knows what Hinata means. I think once you rest up a bit more, you'll have some time to relearn it, I guess. Or learn how to relearn it. Or learn how to feel ready to play without it. Or whatever. A yawn. A big one this time. Whatever works, you know? Whatever works. Whatever works. Hinata starts to snore before long, and Tobio lets himself sink into the sheets. If Kageyama Tobio had either the know-how to work out the math or cared enough to sit down and try, he would come to learn that in the last eight years, or 70,080 hours of his life, roughly 16,000 of those hours, 16,640 to give a better estimate, have been spent playing volleyball. Think about it. Between the seasons he gave the Adlers, Ali Roma, and the Japanese national team, Kageyama hasn't had a real off-season since the wet winter after he turned 17, in the weeks between Karasuno's trip to spring inter-high his second year and the first official supervised practice of his third year.
With this as a starting point, if he ever so decided to take such a challenge seriously and assigned numerical value to the time he spent in a gym, on average, warming up and cooling down, going to practices and games, mandatory team meetings and workouts, he'd know that those activities collected about 40 hours of any given week, and with 52 weeks in a year, totaled to an approximate 16,640 hours of volleyball over eight years of professional play. Somewhere, Tsukishima is railing at the estimate of 40 hours every week. What about Golden Week? What about holidays? What about the few weeks between seasons? This isn't about Tsukishima. Tsukishima is a know-it-all. This is about Kageyama, and all the time he had to add up the number of stray shots he'd taken to the head, neck, back. How many times? Why didn't he know? Why hadn't he been keeping track? The initial approximation of 16,640 hours, with all of this in mind, might be just acceptable enough to represent the whole of what it means to play volleyball on the highest stage, hypothetically, but just ask Kageyama. Just ask any professional athlete. That's not really all there is to it. Between practices and matches, he might meet the team's physical therapist up to three times a day sometimes, another 5,824 hours, maybe, or his nutritionist once a week or so, only about 416 hours, she intentionally keeps their meetings short, or the team doctor, 1,248 hours, he likes to talk, or even Iwaisumi-san, who talks less but is omnipresent in the gym and sometimes also takes him to lunch. Then there's the fact that he's become known for playing volleyball, see, and press and sponsors and fame aren't exclusive to just the Otani Shoheis and Hanyu Yuzurus of the world. Photo shoots for advertisements and press conferences and outreach work and meetings with his manager and his coaches to coordinate all this does in fact take time, and another 3,328 more hours, though this estimation is tricky. Playing for the Italian league probably quartered his normal press responsibilities during, say, an Olympic season. There's also the time between those times, traveling by subway to get to practice, about 30 minutes, so an hour back and forth every day. Do short detours to walk around Kogane Park count as part of the commute? By plane, to play a match halfway across the world, too many hours, usually, and times where that takes twice as long as expected, estimating outliers like emergency overnight layovers and time zone differences might confuse even the likes of Tsukishima and Yachi, right? Right. There's also the things that he does for volleyball, even when he's not thinking explicitly about volleyball. A rare occasion, but humor me. How much to sleep and how much to nap, when he can go for a run and how long the run can be, looking for the brand of socks that won't bunch up in his sneakers, exactly when to eat what for optimum performance at game time, and oh look, we're back to thinking about volleyball. Kageyama is a model athlete in that he always does what is asked of him. Always. And so when he's asked to look towards the next battle and no further, it's what he does. When he's not asked to keep track of the number of times he could have potentially sustained a minor brain injury, he does not. ACL surgery takes about two hours tops, 
followed up by about six months of phased rehab before a physician can sign off on a return to sport. Counting the hours it'll take before Kageyama gets his knee back at this point is counting unknowns, but he's seen other players go through this before. It's a sheepish smile, showing up to practice on crutches just to be nosy, and a reluctant, well, my trainer says everything is healing up nice, therapy is going smoothly, I'm proceeding better than expected, it's just a matter of keeping the ball in the air for as long as possible, right? Right. The concussion, on the other hand, no one seems to know for sure, not a thing. His brain isn't bleeding, so that's probably a good place to start. His skull, believe it or not, hadn't sustained any injury so heinous that he'd need reconstructive surgery. Kageyama personally doubts this. Right now, it's wait two weeks to see how you feel. But how is Kageyama supposed to feel in two weeks, let alone now? He knows the limit of his knee, knows from looking at it that there's something wrong with it, that it needs work. When it comes to his brain, he doesn't know what he doesn't know until he suddenly, violently, painfully knows. Lights hurt his head. Sounds do too. There are so many words he can't recall until he's prompted. Memories he's afraid of he'll lose before he knows they're gone. Holes in those memories he doesn't realize are there until he's falling down them. What was here before? What was here before? Kageyama dreams in volleyball, too. Isn't that the worst part? <laughs>